Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. It always seems impossible until it's done. That's a quote by Nelson Mandela. As this week, we're joined by Chris Muddle, who has been one of the top performers at his company for the past 10 years, who's going to talk to us today about how you can develop a mindset of what's possible. This episode is brought to you by Vidyard, Vidyard, the online video tool for sales professionals. Vidyard makes it easy for sales teams to turn text-based emails into personal video messages and will help you engage with your prospects and create an incredible buying experience for them which will ultimately help you reach your pipeline and revenue goals. So do yourself a favor, get to vidyard.com, sign up, and start using video in your sales process. Pretty pumped about today's episode because we're going to be talking about the importance of planning. And Chris is an incredible operator who has delivered some insane results for the company he's been working at and he's done it consistently for 10 years. So Chris is a real practitioner at what he does and you're going to hear about sort of, you know, what he talks about, some of the critical success factors and the things that he does that enables him to achieve success. I just want to talk about one of the key things that we're going to cover because it's fitting. We are at Q, for many of you, it's, it's, it's you know, Q4. There's a couple of weeks left. It really is that last that, you know, if you, if you haven't hit your target, some of you might be sandbagging and holding deals out for the next quarter so that you can start the, uh, the year in a bang. But the whole element of planning is absolutely critical right now. And I want you, I want you to think about this like, and ask yourself, you know, how much time have you spent planning for 2021? Because it's, it's around the corner. You know, Christmas is here, so you'll lose a week and you have that first week back. If you're selling in B2B, some companies might not be around for, for a couple of weeks. So really, you've got a couple of weeks left and then you're going to lose a couple of weeks in January. So that planning stage, this is the stage that we really need to be thinking about. Okay, well, I'm going to reflect, even though if you're trying, if you are on the opposite end and you're trying to, you know, close some deals out before the year end to hit your target, fantastic. But you should still be allocating some time to plan and really reflect on what's happened this year. Yes, there's been things that have been out of our control, but what have you learned from the year? And what are the steps you're going to put in place to make sure you start the new year with a bang? Because success in sales comes from the time you take in planning and preparing yourself to achieve the outcomes that you want to achieve. So this is going to be an awesome episode because we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the way in which Chris manages his day, the way in which he creates a mindset of just of what's possible. It's insane. You can feel it with him, right? And he, he's, a, he's a practitioner. He's a top performing sales pro that has achieved incredible results for a decade in his particular industry. So Really buckle up. This is going to be an awesome episode. You're going to get a lot of notes from this. You're going to get a lot of uh, key points that you can implement straight away to help you be the very best sales professional you can be. All right, man. So uh, welcome to the Sales IQ podcast, Chris. 
Hey, mate. Really excited to have you on our show today. Me too. Mate, and uh, I know it's been a long time coming. Been watching your, uh, you know, watching you grow as a sales pro and it's been really awesome. So really appreciate you taking the time to come onto the Sales IQ podcast and talk about, you know, how to build a rhythm for sales performance. So, mate, before we get into this episode and talk about sort of some of the habits and the characteristics that high performers need to exhibit, tell us a little bit about how you got, you know, into the world of sales. Yeah, thanks, mate. Uh, I was a, a banker, accountant, and financial planner for uh, for these two large banking institutions in Australia. I uh, I wasn't selling. I was sitting behind a desk because I was actually afraid of um, any form of contact whatsoever with other human beings. Yeah. So I, I lost complete motivation in the role. Um, it was boring, and so I quit. I quit my career. All the little badges that I accrued over the time. And, uh, and I got into a startup at the time called EmployShore in my first sales role. Yep. And uh, the rest is history. Oh, awesome. And then, so just tell me, how many years ago was that? Seven and a half years ago. Fantastic. Seven and a half years ago, your first sales role. Tell us about some of the accolades that you've received since joining that business. Because, you know, I think for anyone um, that's new to sales or even that have been in sales for a long time, aspire to achieve certain results. So tell us, you know, what are some of the results that you've achieved, um, since joining that business? Yeah, well, uh, sales was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life, first and foremost. So getting over my biggest fear was probably my biggest achievement. Yep. Um, the second thing is I, there, there wasn't a brand at, at that stage for our company. It was in an industry that no one knew about. And products that weren't even available in the marketplace, which was an outsourced HR solution for a small business. So I had to really, basically, I had to learn how to cold call. Yeah. I had to learn how to sell. I had to learn how to build up courage. And then I also had to learn how to succeed in a role of sales. So, uh, so basically, year by year, um, I became the top writer of business, the top salesperson, top salesperson for many years. Uh, I broke all the records, whether it was value, clients, the amount of meetings I sat. So for the last seven years, basically, I've been engaging approximately 150 new business clients in the SME space. Wow. And I've been bringing in more than $3 million of new business revenue every year. But outside of that, a lot of, this, uh, a lot of these relationships and businesses come through referrals. Yeah. So one year, there was about 70 or more referral businesses which engaged with the HR service that I offered. Um, so yeah, so it's been good. Yeah, fantastic. There's some incredible results. But can we just go back a step? You mentioned that, you know, the biggest hurdle or the biggest um, win that you had was actually starting in sales. What what were the feelings that you had, if you could remember going back, um, you know, about starting in sales? What were some of those fears you had to overcome? Well, mate, I, uh, I didn't know who I was. And I was a scared uh, boy in a man's body. Yeah. And sales is one of the most confronting things I think anybody has to do. You have to face yourself. Yeah. You have to face what sort of person that you are. You have to pay. You have to face what sort of people other uh, people are. And um, yes, sales in itself is probably the hardest thing that anyone will ever do, in my opinion. Yeah. But when you become good at selling, the sky's the limit. Uh, anything's possible, in in my opinion, as well. Okay, and um, what so what was some of the rejection? What were some of the challenges that you experienced first on when you started? You went from a banker behind the desk to getting out there. 
um, you know, talk to us about some of those challenges that you first experienced in the world of selling. Yeah, well, the first challenge was I had to do what I said. I had to commit on my word. So when, when you're working in large organizations, you can say a lot of stuff that comes out of your mouth, yep. but you don't get really have that held to account. Now, in the world of sales, you know that you're doing the right thing from a character level, from a speech level, from an action level, because it's based in the results that you're bringing in. So what I had to confront was, it's just me. The results are on me. There's nobody else that I can blame for my results. So my biggest fear the whole time was just me. Can I do it? What do I need to do to get to the next level? How do I make the next phone call to interact with the next person? How can I help this person believe that what I'm selling is the right solution for them? How can I then deliver on what I've promised? How can I keep this client for a lifetime? Okay. So those sorts of conversations I never got to experience in my previous roles. Um, so it was, it was very confronting, but again, very, very good. And what motivated you to move from behind the desk, you know, in, in, in a role that was probably consistent, comfortable, you knew what was happening to a role where for any sales pro, you know, it can be up and down. It can be unknown. What motivated the change? Well, mate, I, in banking and in accounting, I wasn't loving it. I was doing what my father did. I was yeah. doing what I thought I had to do. I was doing what I thought I needed to reach a certain level of um, social status. Yeah. But basically, I hated it. I hated it. I lost all motivation for my job. I started to stop believing in myself. My confidence was waning. And basically, I became depressed. I was an alcoholic and I was depressed. So basically, I quit. Yeah. Quit on everything. Quit on banking, career, qualifications, the magical nugget in front of me. I quit everything in a hope that I'll be able to get over this depression that I was facing at the time. Mate, I appreciate you sharing that. It's pretty deep. And I think I think that message is so important today of all days, right? Because I know that I, and I'm sick of hearing about, you know, and I, I'm living it right now. We're all living it right now, right? And, um, you know, there's a lot of negative sort of stuff that's happening around us, COVID-19 and all this uncertainty. And, and, and it's, it's difficult for many people to navigate. But I think right now, a lot of people are facing that prospect of changing careers, you know, that there's a lot of job uncertainty. And so I think um, in that message, what you've given, you've given courage and motivation for people that are looking to make a change, right? Um, so what's, you know, from, from your perspective, how did you, like when you started, you would have had, you know, you mentioned that you, um, there was a lot of fear, but what are some of those, what were some of those steps that you put in place to help you get started and build that rhythm when you started in sales? Yeah, good question. I like strategy. I like playing games and I like winning games. Yeah. So the, the only thing that I did differently to anybody else that I've found doing selling is I made it into a game that I wanted to win. Yeah. So that, that did two things for me. Uh, it made it fun and it made it logically correct. So basically the very start of the game was what are other salespeople doing every day to ensure that they're getting sales success? How are they doing it? What are they saying? So my first thing was, because I didn't know who I was at that point, my first thing was, I'm just going to imitate the best in a hope that some of that would rub off on me and then it would start getting sales. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was, 
what sorts of things are they doing to fully immerse themselves into the profession of selling? So what are they listening to? What are they doing in the mornings in terms of workouts or gym routines? Mm. So at this stage, I had nothing. I wasn't going to the gym. I was drinking. I was smoking. I hated myself. I hated my job. I mean, I had a, a fairly long list of circumstances that wasn't making it easy for me. So what I thought in my mind was, well, I don't believe in myself. So if I believe in someone else, that might be a good start. So that's how I started to believe in myself through trying to be someone else. Now, I'm not saying that's the best journey for success, but it's what I needed to get out of the pit. Well, wow. and so you figured out what like, you, you, you know, you created a picture, you found inspiration in others to help drive you to be, to get out of the sort of the, the negative zone that you were in to, tr to create that sort of rhythm of, of performance and success. Correct. So yeah. I, I had no self-confidence whatsoever. Okay. So I couldn't do it myself. I needed a higher power. And at that, at that stage, I thought the best highest power was someone that's already done it. Yep. I've now since changed my higher power to something a little bit greater than that. But yeah, I, I needed to look for something a little bit bigger than myself. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And, you know, fast forward now, I mean, look at you, 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 you always dressed, you always dress for success. Um, and one of the Thanks, things man. that I, 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 you know, I'm completely in awe of is your routine. Um, now, you know, talk to us about, you know, you've got this methodology of a sales athlete. Talk to us about, you know, what does your rhythm look like for success and how, you know, disciplined are you to drive that rhythm to help you achieve the, the type of results that you achieve? Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, yeah, so sales athlete is just a coined phrase of, of what I had to act like over many, many years to ensure a guaranteed sales success. So sales athlete to me is, what does a top performing Olympian have to do every day to ensure mentally, physically, spiritually, they're gonna have success on all levels? Because if one of those categories are down, uh, I know from personal experience that it's very, very hard to succeed at higher levels. So basically, um, my routine evolved. The very first thing I think I did was I tried to wake up earlier than seven o'clock. So I now wake up at four o'clock, as you know. Mm. But basically, even my very first having to wake up at seven um, before seven o'clock is very, very difficult. So basically, over the years, I've built rhythm and disciplines into my world where I'm pretty much doing the same things every single day to ensure I've got sales success every single day. Now, sales hasn't changed over the last 100 years. I actually argue that sales hasn't changed over the last 2,000 years. But basically what that means is if you're doing the right things every single day, the right disciplines, the right habits, you're guaranteed to have success on all levels, mm -hmm. in my opinion. It's, it's whether it's covid whether it's using Zoom now, whether it's people don't believe, if you're still maintaining truth within your disciplines every single day, you're always going to have success in your life. It's just a different circumstance. So there's, there's been challenges in the 1900s. There's been challenges in 2000. There's been challenges now. There's always going to be some form of catastrophe. But so long as you're true to your own disciplines, habits, personality, mm. and you're steadily building in confidence every single day, um, you become untouchable. Yeah. And, you know, with that with that sort of attitude and mindset that you've developed, um, and I know that you've got that set rhythm, you know, you train, you meditate, you spend time with your kids, you've really got that wheel of life 
those key elements that are important to you, you really touch on all those elements throughout the day um, in your time block. And we'll talk a bit about that in a moment. But I want to ask you, you know, during, you know, during this, now that you've got this rhythm, you've hit optimal performance, you've been number one year after year after year. Tell us with that, with those achievements, you know, how do you work through rejection as you're achieving those sort of numbers? And, you know, when customers say, I don't want to buy from you and, and you have those peaks and troughs while achieving the number. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of rejections in a sales role yeah. from when you first start in it, when you're a non-sales person to now a salesperson, when you start hitting your minimum targets, when you start hitting and overachieving those targets, when you become number one, when you become number one over several years, there's challenges at every level. So even in the company I work for, there's probably no more than 10 or 15 people when I started. There's now 800. So even for me to stay at the top when there's a few more people around me um, is not that easy. Yeah. And it's also political. So the dynamic of your sales role and your perceptions have to change in line with that. But in terms of failure, yeah, I fail every single day mm -hmm. and I look for failure on purpose. So as you know, I run, well, I've added 10 Ks of running in my morning routine. It's just another way that I look for, well, if I can get through, the, if I can face my biggest fear and get through failure prior to the day starting, I don't need to worry so much about it later on. So I purposely put myself in a situation, I won't call, call it the word suffering, but I'll call it um, facing my will, facing my enemy. I don't know, there's probably better terminology for it. But basically, I, I do my battles in the morning, so I don't need to do, do them during the day. During the day is fun. Yeah. In the mornings when I work. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. And I think, you know, a lot of people look at sales professionals and especially the ones that are high performing and go, oh, man, they've got it easy. But I think, you know, the, 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 the myth is that, the, you know, the highest performers are also experiencing a high level of rejection. You know, they're experiencing a high, you know, high amount of people that are saying no to get yeah. to the volumes of yes. Um, and, you know, I find that a really interesting. I love it that you talk about, you know, use the morning as a mechanism to to fail or to push you to that point of, of pain so that the day can be fun. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, so you mentioned the fact that sales hasn't changed. This is a really interesting concept, right? Because... I see a bit of dialogue about the world of sales has changed and, and I tend to agree with you and I've got a book behind me from Og Mandino, the greatest salesman in the world and, you know, Dale Carnegie and some of those greats and when you look at the concept that they talk about, the reality is, in my opinion, sales hasn't changed. Hasn't but changed. Before I give my opinion on that topic, tell me why, why you've come to that a sort of, you know, to that point where, you, where you're suggesting that sales hasn't changed. Well, I think um, the more I read books, you read a lot of books by the looks of your... Yeah. Um, I don't read uh, them. Bookshelf. I just buy them because I like them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think the more books you read, the more you find out that um, there's the same resonating themes. Yeah. And, and depending, you'll find your own truth in books, right? Mm. You, you'll find things that connect with you, things that don't connect with you. But what I find the more I read, the truths that in my belief are correct, are the ones that have been around for a long, long time. Mm. So selling to me is just a simple conversation with somebody and it's trying to 
give value to that person in a win-win scenario. And if you do that over a long time and you do what you say and you over-deliver the value of your service, you're always going to be successful in selling. Yeah. But that, that's been around for years. Like even, um, look, there's a, there's a book called The Book of Solomon. Mm. And I mean, give that a bit of airplay. But basically it says if you forage seeds, they'll grow in the future. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff. They're called the wisdom books. They've been around for, for thousands of years and they're, they're timeless truths that actually work. They're practical guidelines. Yeah. And Napoleon Hill, yeah. the Donald, uh, Dale Carnegie's, the how to win friends, influence people sort of methods, it's all true. And that's why they still remain um, top selling books to this day because there's something in them that doesn't change. So as the world, I guess, becomes more sensationalized, I actually revert back in. So I still do handwritten notes, handwritten meeting schedules. I still mm. use a, a diary, a handwritten diary. So of course I've got CRM and a sales stack and all the other stuff, but I'm pretty old school. Yeah. Things that have worked for thousands of years, I'm, I'm going to use mm. because that truth seems to be pretty good. And same with Napoleon Hills and everyone else. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. You know, I've got a good friend of mine from uh, California. And I'll just show you, you know, he uses cards. He sends me periodically a card with a special note. Um, people go, mate, that's mail. You know, it doesn't work anymore. But I think the reality is, especially with everything that's going on, and um, people buy from people. And if you look at the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's the, you know, that whole, you know, we need emotional connection we need human connection and i think the reality is that when we look at all those earl nightingale napoleon hill you know paul j Meyer, there's a whole range of these guys that have you know been around for a long long time their concepts haven't changed and i think you know now you look at zoom went from 50 million users to 250 million users i think in the last sort of four weeks and we say well why because people need to engage with people Right. You know, yes, you can pick up the phone, you can have phone conferences, but I think the reality is we're working from home and we need to be seeing each other. Um, and they might call it the new norm, but I think, you know what, the reality is if we could buy in a completely digital environment, businesses will move to that. But people need to be able to engage with one another, build a relationship, get an understanding of what their needs are and have that level of trust, which comes from seeing each other. Right. So, you know, I really love the fact that you talk about, you know, that sales hasn't changed. And I think, yes, the way in which we communicate with people might have changed. The technology that we use to enable us, like you talk about CRM and sales stacks, um, you know, is an enabler. It helps us, you know, even drive to that next level of performance. But it hasn't changed the way in which buyers and sellers engage nice. um, and get to that point of decision. So, really appreciate you sharing that with me. And one of the things I also want to talk to you about because you went from super peak. You were number one for a number of years. In how and how many salespeople were there when you were achieving that number? Probably fifty or sixty. Okay, so you were number one at us fifty or sixty, doing incredible results. Then you decided to make a change. What was that change, and why did you make that change? Yeah. So um, I had a uh, one of the owners of the company is a billionaire. His name's Peter. He, uh, he came out on the road with me one day and he made a comment 
um, to me that resonated and, and it was about family and how important family was. And at yeah. that stage being number one, I was all in. And my, so in other words, I was 100% selling and I was probably 20% everything else. Yeah. So that's good for cash flow, for clients, for rewards, for accolades, but it wasn't so good building and forging relationships with the people closest to me. So um, within one day, my daily routine went from 12 hours of selling to 10 hours of selling. And then by the end of the year, I scaled it back to eight hours of selling per day. So what that meant for me was I had to do the same or similar sales results in approximately two to four less hours every single day. And if anyone's ever done that, it's not mm. easy to do that at all because I'm not saying you suppress your expression or you, 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 you sort of have to be all in to become number one in, yeah. my, in my opinion. But what I was able to do is because my habits were so disciplined and my rhythms every day is four meetings booked face-to-face, see three meetings or see three potential new customers, qualified meetings, and with an intention to engage one new client. The average client size in my world is $22,000 per client. And so long as I do that every day and every week, every month, every quarter, on average, I'll be seeing 150 new clients on board the services that I'm representing and $3 million of business every year. Yeah. So basically that's been my averages every year, whether I've been working 12 hour days, 10 hour days, eight hour days. So the system works and the disciplines work. So even in COVID, as an example, same stuff. I get up at four o'clock, I do my morning routine, I've spent time with the kids. I've then came into the office today, we're doing a podcast this morning at 6.45 a.m. I've got my first sales meeting at 8.30. Currently I've got five sales meetings and because it's COVID, they're via Zoom at this stage. I've got my calls in between those meetings already scheduled and in my mind, I'm going to come away where I'm going to be able to help and engage with one new client by the end of today. Now, this isn't anything new. The only thing that's changed today compared to maybe two months ago is my technology, my environment, my process, and my pitch had to slightly vary to match the new circumstance, but it's the same disciplines. It's the same numbers. It's the same rhythm and it works. Yeah. And when I coach this to other people in sales, it's the same thing. Uh, there's a certain amount of activity, which equals a certain amount of results. So technically, I argue, I don't have lots of time to go into social media and, and put all these posts on all these sort of stuff. Of course I do. And that's an excuse and limiting belief. But I'm just saying, if a salesperson is doing the right job, they're very, very successful and they don't have to further promote because they've got enough existing clients to help. Yeah. They've got enough existing partners to help. And as I said, most of my business is done through referrals. So technically... I'm doing um, inside social selling as opposed to outward. Yeah. I, I don't know what the phraseology would be, but my social selling is in my networks, not out there into cold people. I've yeah. got no idea who they are. It's really interesting you bring that up. I got the opportunity to speak to Ali Redder from in Motor City in Detroit, the number one car salesman in the world. He beat Joe Girard's record. He sold an incredible up to nearly 1,700 cars. It's an incredible. Wow you know, incredible, you know, peak high performer. And he actually lives off a lot of the values that you live. You know, he actually said, you know, I've only got a certain amount of time in the day and I need to spend time with my family. So I need to get this much done in this much time. 
And the day that I was there, I got there at five o'clock because he couldn't see me during the day because he said that's selling time. And that day he sold 20 new cars off the hook, right? And one of the things he said to me, which was really aligned with what you said, he says, I don't do social media. I don't do Instagram. He said, why? Because I don't want to engage with people outside of my area. He said, Detroit is where I sell. That's where my tribe is, right? So he's found the tribe of people that need what he has to offer. And he serves them in that area. So it's really interesting, especially now in the world of, you know, social, social, social. He's tended to go against that. And every year he consistently delivers incredible results. Like I'm talking incredible, three times more than number two or three globally that sell. So it's really interesting that you share that, um, that you build that rhythm and that's what helps you drive performance. So mate, you went from, you know, changing the amount of hours. Did that impact your level of sales performance? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So at the moment, our company employs probably 300 salespeople in total. Yeah. And, and back when I was um, number one, there was, there was another 80 or so, you know, uh, core-based sales guys as well. But basically, I'm always in the top 10 or 15% because eight hours a day equals a certain amount of results. So if I wanted to continue to be number one, I have to put another two to three hours every single day in. Now this year, I've got an intention to do that and to, because I love working and yeah. as much as I love spending two hours with my kids every morning and every night, um, I've got a very, very strong relationship with them now and I'm not saying that I, I don't love spending time with them, but I love to work and I love to sell. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in again with selling. I've had conversations with them. I've had conversations with my wife. Yeah. We've all agreed I, and I basically asked, would, if you were happy for me to do this, would you, would you rather see me in the morning or the night time? Yeah. And they said the night time and I said, is it okay if I have the mornings off from time to time? They said yes. So that's it for the next 12 months. They know I'm going out to bring even more financial freedom for our family. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it that you've, you know, you've spoken about the fact that you've, you're in partnership with them and you're talking Absolutely. about how getting that, you know, it's not even about getting their permission. It's a collaborative decision, right? Absolutely. And so I think that's super important. I think, you know, a lot of us, because, you know, I'm like you, mate, I love working, but that comes at an expense. Um, you know, my story is, you know, when I, when, I, when I made that decision like you did to, to achieve a certain, a certain outcome, um, it impacted my personal life in a, re, in a, in a real negative way um, that my, my relationship completely broke down with my wife and, uh, you know, we got divorced. Um, and I think a lot of people don't you need to appreciate that um, there is, you know, people go, there's no balance and it's harmony and all that stuff. But I think, you know, every outcome, every decision we make has a consequence, positive and negative. Um, and I think, you know, in the world of selling, the reality is, you know, the people that we compete with is ourselves. At, at a high performance level, the top 1% aren't competing with the guy next to them. They're competing with themselves. And I've heard you speak about that before. So I want to ask you, you know, I want to ask you, when, when, you're, when you are number one, right, and you're literally one ahead of the pack, and you're like in Usain Bolt, they're not even next to you. You can just look over, you can smile because you're that fast, you, you, you know, you're that far in front. How do you maintain that level of motivation to drive you to keep achieving that type of performance? I like to win. Yep. I really like to win. I have since I was young. That helps. 
And the, uh, the second thing is, because I associate it with a game, it's just what new game can I win? So over the years, the games I've played for last, so my, my main yearly goals in the last seven years, I think the, f the first one was to write my first $1 million in sales, and that was in 2012. Yeah. And I basically threw cold calls, so that was fun. My first client was the pub that I had my welcoming lunch down the road from. So that, that puts that into perspective. My second year was to double my income. So because I found out that sales could be a vehicle for me to have financial freedom, I wanted to double my income just to see if I could. And I did that. Then my next was to become number one in sales. So in 2014, I wanted to become BDM of the year, which I did. And then in 2015, it was to double my conversion rate. So again, I thought the quickest way to do an, another double or a very, very quick increase in my performance was to get, um, to, was to increase conversion rates. At one stage, I had to hire my own telesales staff. Yep. Um, it was uh, unknown to the company at that time. And then the one after that was to flip my model. So from go, going from, I guess, cold call prospecting to referral prospecting where I basically doubled my referral production. It went from on average, I'd get one out of four people signing up as referral clients to 50%. And that, and that apparently was a big deal in my company. So the billionaire owner called me up in the nighttime. He didn't realize what the time was. And he said, how did you do that? How did you double your referrals? And I told him and he presented to the whole business group. Like he's got a lot of employees, not just, not just the 2000 that's in the peninsula and employee show group. He's got a lot more than that. But he, he put that out to the group and now my referrals went from 50% to 75%. Wow. So he, he said 50 was good. I was looking for a hundred. So basically now most of my business is done through referrals. Now you do need time yeah. to build that up. And then, then the year after was to do eight hour days, which was last year. Um, like definitively eight hour days, strict eight hour days, which I did. And I'm not going to be that strict anymore, truthfully, because that was very difficult. And now this year again is to double my income, not not because I need it, but because it's fun and can I do it? Yeah. What do I what, what do I need to do cleverly to be able to do that? Because what an income double does do is it expedites and speeds up my goals, and I've got big goals that don't include serving myself. And the way I get to that vehicle is by scaling my income. Yeah, so fantastic. this year's an income double. Well, mate, I'm so excited to uh, to watch what you're going to achieve this year, mate. So it's 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 absolutely awesome, and thanks for sharing that with us. And so, mate, I want to sort of talk about sort of you know in your career, um, you know, what's been the biggest influence in your career and why? Jesus, big question. Um, Is there a book? Is there a mentor? Is yeah, there... the bit, look, the, bit, the biggest influence by far is finding Jesus Christ. You didn't want to hear that on your podcast. <laughs> but um, for 20 years, I didn't want to believe in anything yep. for a long, long time. Um, I forced out any form of love and acceptance in my world. I, uh, I literally berated and tore down anyone that believed in any form of faith yeah. Whether it was spirituality, meditation, Hinduism, didn't matter, didn't matter. So my, the biggest change was uh, finding out again through lots and lots of reading that it's the same messages 
over and over and over again. So I just dug deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then I found obviously that the, the Holy Bible had some pretty good self-help tips. My first Bible was called the Life Hacks Bible. So again, I don't, if, if something doesn't work, I don't use it. I throw it real yep. quick. So that helped out a lot. I still did not believe in Jesus Christ. I was like, no way. That is absolute rubbish. So three or four years of using the Bible to help with my sales, my career, my family, like literally this thing has got stuff on marriage, on prospecting, on selling, on character development, on wisdom. I mean, it's got everything. It's got law of attraction. It's got everything in there. But anyway, um, that was working so well that, yeah, at one stage, just what, whatever. I got pulled from the pit again and that was my biggest change. But, um, but basically, that was it actually. That was the biggest change. Yeah. Uh, to me, and look, you know, mate, it's it's not about judging anyone because I think some people believe in, in, in Jesus, some people don't, and some people have other faiths, right? But I think the reality is you're having something to believe in and someone to believe in them is such an important part of, of, of any journey that we take. So, mate, I appreciate you sharing that. One of the questions I ask every single guest, is sales an art or a science? It's both. It's both. Tell me why. You know, you sit on the fence and I love it because I think there is, in my opinion, there is a sales, it has both, but you know, give me your opinion on why. Sales for me is a full expression of who I am, where I can deliver most value to my world, which includes the people in my world. And it's a science because logically it's very, very easy to win the game of sales, in my opinion. Yeah. So I believe it's an art where you get to express yourself fully, but then it's a science where you get to play a fun game that you can win with uh, with easy habits. Fantastic. Well, Chris, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today about you know how to build the rhythm of performance. And for anyone that wants you know to recap, I think it's really simple. It's know who you are. You know, set yourself some objectives and goals. Create a create a very disciplined day for yourself, because just like any athlete, just like any elite athlete. Performance comes from the habit that you create yourself and it starts with how you start your day. Um, and regardless, whether you're an early riser or you're a late riser, it does not matter. What matters is committing to the performance that's required to achieve success. So I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And for anyone that wants to connect with you, where can they go and find you? Um, LinkedIn. Yep. Chris Medell. Um, I'll have a sales athlete website out shortly. Fantastic. Um, and I'm also a sales IQ partner. Oh, awesome. So. Well, mate, we're really excited for you and uh, we're going to put that in the show notes. But but Chris, again, thanks for um, to coming on our podcast and sharing a little bit about yourself and how you've achieved success. And uh, yeah, I want to I say thank you. Thanks, brother, mate. Really, really good to be on.